Mac Power Users, episode 232, 2014, looking forward, looking back. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Happy almost 2015, David. Yes, the year went fast, didn't it, Katie? It did. It did. It's been a it's been a big year for tech for Mac Power users, and uh, you know it's always interesting to get to the end of the year and look back and say, "Wow, where did that year go?" Sure is, and this was a a good year for not only the show but just tech in general. I think we got some great announcements this year and some good products. We thought it would be fun to just take a minute and look at what made an impact in the last year, and look forward to see what we think is coming next year as well. And with maybe we'll throw in a few resolutions at the end if we get time. Yeah, and I and I think we should mention that we're we're looking at the year through our personal perspectives. You know, the you know perspectives of us as Mac Power users of the show of David and Katie. You know, not necessarily as as tech pundits saying you know we've done a comprehensive review of every single tech product or app or whatever out there saying you know this is absolutely the best. I mean, these these are things that have been meaningful to us. Um, and I think you've come along on you as our listeners have come along on these journeys with us. You know, I, I'm sure we'll get emails from people saying, well, you didn't talk about X, Y, Z or, you know. Yeah. And we're really not going to focus on stories so much as apps and workflows that have really developed over the last year, because there's been some great ones. And I guess we should probably with that, just dive in. Yeah. Now uh, you probably have a bigger focus on Mac apps than I do for 2014, because I'll tell you, my Mac app workflow really hasn't changed much in, in 2014. I, I did have one update, but tell me about uh, your best Mac apps of, of 2014. What's changed for you? Well, I thought that some of the bigger things that happened this year, uh, one for me personally was ScreenFlow 4, which is the new version of ScreenFlow that came out. Um, like that new OmniFocus video I made was done in, exclusively in the new application. And they, the people at ScreenFlow, and I forget the, the developer now, but whoever it is, but if you look at the apps, yeah, Telestream, they've really delivered in the last couple of years. I mean, they were always kind of the leader with the ScreenFlow stuff. And, and I was using screencasting software back when it was really hacky and you had to, you know, make a raw video and put it into something like Final Cut or iMovie and do a bunch of post editing. But ScreenFlow at this point has become really a soup to nuts experience. It, you can record the screencast in it. You can edit it. Now you can record directly with an iOS device into ScreenFlow. A lot of the video I did in the, the most recent OmniFocus video was done that way. It, I mean, they just really have delivered. And the editing tools have got better. They've got more transitions than ever, even though I don't use very many of them. Uh, the exporting has got stronger where, you know, you can export to so many different formats. And like in that new video I just did, I bookmarked everything and it was just trivially easy to do this right in ScreenFlow. So I, I want to take my hat off to the people at Telestream because I know they must have worked really hard on this. But this new uh, this new version of ScreenFlow is really great. And if you're thinking about doing some screencasting, look no further. I tell you, I have not used version four of ScreenFlow. I haven't done a screencast since version four has come out, and I don't do them nearly as often as you do. So typically what happens is I'll do a couple with whatever version happens to be out, and then I'll go to do my next one, and, oh, there's been an update, and I'll I'll go get the update, and I'll do it. 
one of the things that has always been a, 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 a point of friction for me, I guess I should say, is the editing features. And I don't mean editing in the way of being able to splice together clips. I mean editing in terms of, oh, I, I want to blur something out on my screen because maybe I'm giving a demo or I want to annotate something. You know, have, have those things improved in ScreenFlow 4? Can you really do everything now inside the app or are you still pulling things out into yeah. post-processing? You can do pretty much everything inside the app. I, I don't blur very often. Usually I just use dummy data if I'm going to do that. Um, but it, it, I mean, just they, they have a lot of tools in there now. Like for instance, um, and the most recent one I did, the, the OmniFocus one, I'm sorry, I sound like I keep promoting it, but the um, I did touches inside the iOS apps and they have a tool right in ScreenFlow now that simulates a touch and there's different types of touches. And you, you literally push a button and it drops on the screen, you move it to where you want, you set the length and it's done. And before that was like a massive project to make something like that happen. I know um, before some developers actually built that as an advanced feature in their app to help people who wanted to do screen flows of their app. And, and frankly, that's, that's superior in some ways. Like, um, you know, smile does that with PDF pen, at least they used to, I don't know if they still do. I haven't checked recently, but, um, because it animates easier, but to just drop a touch on the screen, a simulated touch, it's just so easy now in screen flow. I don't know how many people have use for uh, screen capture or, you know, screen casting applications, but if you're out there and you do, this is where you should start and probably end. One of my big apps for, for 2014 is really not a new app because like I said at the beginning, I haven't really changed many of my Mac app related workflows in 2014, but probably the biggest one for me that made a change was an update to an existing app. And that was OmniFocus 2. And of course, full disclosure, they, they are a sponsor, but they are probably the biggest app change that I made on my Mac this year. And it's an app that I use every day. And not only was OmniFocus 2 just a visual overhaul, and that in and of itself was very important. But it just became, I think it's like they took a whole barrier to entry out of the app. And I always considered myself a more advanced user of OmniFocus, but there was still, it felt like there was this barrier of entry and there was just this little point of friction for OmniFocus. Um, I, I, I have not watched your video yet, David. It, it is queued up actually probably for this afternoon because I've been um, busy with finals and things, but uh, this is my first free weekend. So your video is queued up for this weekend. So maybe I'll... I'll learn some even more new tips. But I really felt like, you know, I was I was kind of struggling in that workflow. And something about just having the new OmniFocus, the new refresh, it kind of like, you know, sometimes when you redecorate a room or when you paint your house or take everything else and put it back in can just kind of clear you and, and give you a kickstart that you were looking for. And that was really what OmniFocus 2 did for me. They added some additional features. I love the forecast view. But that app for me, just the all of the friction that came in using that and probably in combination with some of the iOS apps that they updated has just gone for me now. So that was probably a big change for me uh, in 2014. Yeah, the um, they did a really good job with that. And it's, you know, it took them, they had to go through and do each platform. They did the phone, the iPad and the Mac. And boy, when you look at the the, the whole picture, they did a great job with, with that version too. I'll tell you an app that, I was I became very intrigued with this year on the Mac that um, I hadn't really paid a lot of attention to before. And it wasn't a big update this year. It's just it really kind of landed on my radar better is Ulysses. Are you familiar with Ulysses? 
I know it's a text related app, but beyond that, no. Yeah, it's it's kind of between uh, standard text editor and Scrivener. It doesn't have as many tools as Scrivener does. I think it's just more simplified than that. But boy, the people that are behind the development of it have really been just hammering away at the user interface issues. And it's it's just really turned into a nice app if you want to write something lengthy in it. Um, I'm not sure where it fits in my life with Scrivener. I mean, I've, I've tried some projects with Ulysses, and I, it was an enjoyable process working in the application. Uh, Scrivener is still kind of my big writing app, but, you know, I guess this kind of, this one kind of moves into looking forward to 2014 or 2015 as well. I am, um, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen. My, my writing workflows, I think were in flux a lot during 2014 as I was looking at better ways to, to manage text and write big projects. And I'm increasingly using the iPad. I've always been a big user of the iPad, but I'm just increasingly using it for writing projects because for some reason with me, the OmniFoc, uh, the uh, iPad is very good for planning and writing. Like if I can get out of my usual space, like there's a nice tea shop down the street or whatever. I, if I get with my iPad and a keyboard, uh, I find that I can be very productive. So I'm looking for better ways to to ease that transition between devices. Now, and what's you, the break point for you between, because I think you're using ByWord is, is still kind of your everyday quick text editor, or what, what's the break point for you between ByWord versus Ulysses versus Scrivener? Yeah, the um, where it lies between Ulysses and Scrivener, I can't answer yet because I'm still trying to figure that out myself. But, you know, for simple blog posts, for a letter, for, you know, anything that's that I can manage in one sitting or two sittings, I will probably just write it in ByWord. But, you know, we talked to Jason Snell, and I'm actually kind of interested in looking at alternatives to Byword as well right now. I'm Everything is in flux for me, Katie Floyd. But mm. the uh, If it ain't broke, man, don't fix it. I don't know. I, I think I just I want to see what my other options are. I've been in a kind of a, a rut with that stuff. And, you know, I'm a geek, and I like to try new things. So we'll see how it all goes. I mean, in the past year, I tried to use Scriven. I, I tried to use Evernote seriously for writing, and that. That didn't work. That's the one thing I know. But like I said, this is previewing some stuff we're going to talk about in a minute. But I, uh, the breakpoint for me between ByWord and something more serious is, uh, you know, when it's a project I can get written in two or three sittings, I'll just do it in ByWord. If it's something that's got research or it's something that I need to noodle on and, it's, and I'm going to take a week writing it, then I get out of ByWord and go somewhere where I've got more organizational tools. But I, I, I discovered Ulysses this year and I really like it. Well, I think that about wraps up our, our Mac apps, though it seems like, although the show is Mac Power users, we tend to have spent uh, quite a bit of focus on iOS this year, and, and probably rightly so with the release of, of iOS 8. And especially at the end of this year, we, we got a big iOS uh, app release with the release of Workflow. And, and that's a sh- an app that I've been giving you some grief about because you've been you've been teasing us with it for um, months now. I think when you, uh, Federico was back on the show several months ago, we were talking about Workflow and, and I kind of was like, guys, 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 can't talk about this. It's, it's not out. It, it may not come out. We don't know. The whole app review thing was in flux. 
but it was released and everybody's been asking us, yes, we, we are planning on doing an episode on workflow, probably January, February. So if you want to send in your custom workflows, do. But but David, I think workflow is probably, even though it's only technically been out for a couple of weeks now, certainly an app that has made both of our lists as one of the best for, for 2014 so far. You know, like at the end of the year, the movie companies release their Oscar contenders, right? Right, right. Very end, so it's fresh in your mind. How could this one not be fresh in our mind? Um, and I don't think, uh, I don't think the late release was by intention. I do think they had trouble getting that through. I don't know the whole story behind it, but the reason I kept talking about it because I was under the impression it would be coming out any day for a long time. <laughs> but uh, if you haven't got it yet. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes and I, I recommend downloading this app. I, I think yeah. the release price is $3, but I think it may go up a little bit. Um, that was kind of like an intro- introductory promo. Yeah. G- give us a quick big picture for people who don't know what it does. It's, it's automator on iOS. I mean, it's, it's automator, you know, automator. If you haven't used on your Mac is this great tool that's built into every Mac that allows you to take common tasks and stack them together and then have the application run it for you. And there's so much you can do with this application. It's, it's almost like an app laboratory. Um, you can, for instance, say, find my current location, find my home, give me directions to my home, which is sounds easy enough. You could go do that um, a lot of ways on iOS, but you could build this into a workflow stack and then you could save that out like to launch center pro and put it on a button, or you could have a, a dedicated button for that in workflow. Uh, I've got one, like I'm always taking screenshots on my iOS devices and I want to get those on my Mac very easily. And I don't want to email them to myself and I don't want to, you know, go through all the various photo management applications. So I just, I have a workflow uh, that I tap a button. It takes the last three images. I screenshots. I'm sorry, not images. The last three screenshots, and it, it's it just sends them right over to my Mac, and it's great. You know, the, all the little bits of friction that you're facing on your iOS device, Workflow has a potential of solving those for you. Yeah, I, I have that same workflow, but then I added an additional step to it to say um, then delete delete the screenshots so that I. I don't have them on my screen anymore or That's on my iPhone idea. anymore. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to add that to mine. And um, you know, it's easy to add because then you just, you just add a step because the, you, the initial workflow you talked about was two step, get latest X number of screenshots and then airdrop them. That's a two step workflow. And then I added two more steps to say, okay, then get latest X number of screenshots and delete photos. So now it's a four step workflow. Um, there's just so much you can do with this application and, I also get a little bit of a thrill out of programming my iOS device because I'm not, I'm not a programmer, but this is fun. Right. And keep in mind, this is 1.0. I mean, I can't, I know that they were working on adding additional extensions into drafts and other things. And so I'm, I'm very excited about where they're going with this. It is just completely nuts. And anybody listening to the show that has the remotest interest in this, I, I recommend. And even if you feel like you're not a programmer and you're like, oh, I don't know how to put stacks of workflows together on my iOS device, it comes loaded with pre-built workflows and uh, users can upload their workflows. So there's online resources. So even if you don't want to try and put any of these together yourself, you can just go download them. And once you start looking at the ones that are completed, you'll see that it's so easy, you'll start doing it yourself. I mean, there's there's one on there that will read the text from a web page. 
And that's something that, you know, I've paid good money in the past to have apps do that for me. This is just built in. So workflow is definitely one. And, and like we said, we're, we're going to have a full show on it probably early next year, January, February. So if you've got some some great workflows, and I'm seeing more and more every day on Twitter. I, I wish, David, are you aware of any specific website yet that is collecting these workflows and publishing them? I don't know. I, you know, this is pretty new. I suspect the developer is going to do something about that. Okay. Well, if you've got a fun one, uh, send it to us, feedback at MacPowerUsers.com or uh, send it to us via Twitter. I guess Twitter would be easy. Hey, did you know that if you add the hashtag uh, pound ask MPU to a tweet that it will automatically get added via if this then that to a Google Doc and we can follow up with it? Katie Floyd, you're so organized. I did. I stole that from Upgrade. Yeah, it's funny because I am. Um... I'm very busy right now with the day job. There's something going on that suddenly I'm working a lot of hours and I was catching up with podcasts and I was listening to upgrade and they said, they, they talked about how they, I think they had a listener write in with that idea and the workflow there, if anybody's interested is it's a, um, it's an, if this, then that rule pointed at a Google spreadsheet. Right. I mean, it's not hard when you think about it, but, uh, so anyway, they, they said that on the show that they were going to do that. And I'm like, Oh, that's a great idea. We're going to do that. And I got to, uh, the office and I opened up my Mac to set it up and I saw that Katie Floyd had already done it. Already beat you to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, pound ask MPU. Is it pound or hashtag? I mean, it's the same thing, but what do you call that little thing? I call it a pound. I don't know. I'm, I'm old school. Yeah. The little thing that's on the three. Um, Another app that I think made a lot of progress this year is Drafts 4, uh, the newest version of Drafts. I agree with you. This is actually an app that's that's on my dock now, and it's it's my starting point for many, many things. It's it's my scratch pad. It's my, it's my notebook, I would say. Dr. Yeah, Drang, we, Dr. Drang had a post about this, and he and Jason Snell went back and forth a little bit because Jason is still using the Apple Notes app for certain things, and uh, the, the doctor went after him a bit. Well, um, well, that would be interesting. I'll have to read that. But the uh, I, I tell you, I, I just love the ability to have the tap one icon and then start entering text. And it sounds silly that, you know, I, if you open another application, you have to create a new file and calling that a barrier is hardly fair. But the ability to just open an app and start dictating or typing in text is really useful. Um, in fact, I use it for things that, just about anything i was sitting with my sister and she's telling me something she wants for christmas i open up drafts i type it in i shut it and i know i could have gone into the reminders list or whatever and dug for where i want this information to end up eventually but being able to just do it that fast that that has really reduced the amount of times i pull those note cards out of my pockets and write things down and i do recommend if you're using drafts to try it with dictation i know a lot of people are kind of leery of Siri and dictation in general, but uh, drafts is a place where I think it's very useful, assuming you're in a place where you can talk, but, you know, just open up drafts, tap the little microphone button and start talking. A lot of my blog posts start out that way. Another one, uh, and drafts has had a little bit of controversy too, with its uh, widget, not widget, uh, today view extension. Is that what it's called? Yeah. I call it a widget. They fixed it. They They fixed it. They fixed it. But uh, 
Transmit also was an app that got into a little bit of trouble with one of their functionalities, but Apple has also reversed their opinion on that, thankfully. Uh, but Transmit also makes our list for one of the best iOS apps of 2014, just because in in all of your th- wildest dreams about things that you could do with an iOS app, did you ever think that you would be FTPing and sharing files back and forth from a thing in your pocket? No. And, you know, so Panic is the company behind Transmit. And this application is the go-to FTP app on the Mac. I mean, I uh, I tried a bunch of, like, cheaper FTP apps for years. And then at some point, Transmit went on sale, and I finally bought it. And I'm like, oh, now I see. Why didn't I do this earlier? It's just so much better than any FTP app. And, you know, if you're going to be sharing files onto the Internet you're going to want a good tool for that uh, and transmits fits the bill. When I heard they were coming out with uh, an iOS app, I didn't know how they would do it or how effectively they would be able to bring that magic over. And they did a great job um, using the iCloud drive and Dropbox and all these other uh, sharing protocols that came out with iOS eight. That's what really would, I think made this app possible. Um, this is a conduit to take data or files on your your iOS device and send them just about anywhere. And I love it. I mean, I use this one quite a bit. And and there was controversy because it's so powerful that the app review team kind of gutted it a few weeks ago and then changed their mind and let them put these great tools back in. Right. And, you know, initially I thought I I had struggled with this and I thought, you know, why do I really need Transmit on my iPad? Because I use Squarespace, you know, another one of our sponsors for all of my websites now. I'm really not FTPing stuff. I'm not in a position where I'm uploading stuff to a web server anymore. I just, thankfully, I'm out of that business. I don't do that kind of stuff anymore. But then I realized, well, you know, that's really not where the power, at least, I mean, it is for many people. But for me, that's not where the power of something like Transmit is. The power of something like Transmit now, especially on iOS, is that it really allows you to take all of these documents and move them between all of these various buckets of cloud syncing services that you have now on iOS. You've got something on iCloud Drive. You've got something in Dropbox. You've got something over here and over there. I mean, it really becomes the full feature document management solution, the file system type solution that we've never really had before. That's exactly what I use it for as well, Katie. I I don't FTP as much as I move files between different you know, cloud storage and just getting stuff easily on my device. It's like having a Swiss army knife on your phone. Yeah. And it's like, if nothing else yet, just having it sitting in a utilities folder somewhere, knowing that, Oh yeah, I have a tool that will do that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Another one for me, uh, one of the best iOS apps, and I'm pretty sure this came out in 2014. I got to admit, I didn't check the dates on all of these was Overcast. And, you know, our friend Marco Arment came out with uh, Overcast, which is his podcasting app. Of And I was a very happy Downcast user and I really had no reason to switch over to Overcast other than I wanted to support Marco and I was really going to buy it regardless just because I wanted to support Marco. And I figured, well, if I'm going to buy it, I, I want to be able to speak intelligently about it and, and use it. And I ended up sticking with it. Um, I didn't think that I would because it, at the time, was iPhone only. It is. It now uh, will sync with the iPad. But Overcast, what really got me with Overcast is it, it has a couple of features that other podcast apps as of yet don't have. 
And it has a couple of enhancements to um, playing podcasts. The big one that I use is called Smart Speed. And podcast apps for a while have had this ability where it will speed up or slow down podcasts. Many of you are probably listening to me right now at something other than 1x speed, you know, maybe 1.5, 1.75, 2x, maybe 3x. I probably sound a little bit like a chipmunk if that's the case. Um, but Overcast, in addition to allowing you to speed up podcast uh, speeds, will also do something called smart speed, which decreases the gaps between silences. So if I start making long gaps between my words, uh, and I'll stop doing that now, uh, Overcast is going to start sensing that and it's going to, um, in a very intelligent way, start clipping those gaps out, but yet keep my voice pattern sounding natural. And so what you do is you, you start in addition to, you know, maybe you're listening to the podcast at 1.5 or 1.75 speed, by clipping out some of those silences in the podcast, you're going to get a little more back. So, you know, right now I tend to listen to podcasts somewhere between 1.5 and 1.75 speed because I want to listen to, you know, I've got such a great list of podcasts that I like to listen to, but only a limited amount of time. By using smart speed and overcast, I'm able to tweak that just a little bit. For me, I'm able to listen to more shows, really all of the shows that I want to listen to in the amount of time that I have, even though I don't have as much time to listen to podcasts anymore. So for me, it has allowed me to listen to all the podcasts I want to when I wouldn't have otherwise been able to. Yeah, I, Smart Speed is a great idea, especially with a show like ours, because um, we're working from an outline on the show and a lot of times we'll have a guest, so we're trying to not step on each other with Skype. So we do get pauses in the show on occasion. And, and frankly, my brain works slower on some days. <laughs> so I have to think before I talk. But I think SmartSpeed will solve that problem. I, I'm not a big user of SmartSpeed. And when Overcast first came out, I was kind of on a kick at the time where I was using the native iTunes, uh, podcast application and the one feature of the podcast application, which is really unfair to everybody else. Be, is, be very careful what you say right here. Oh yeah. Um, well, is that if you activate Siri and you say play podcast Mac power users, it'll just, it'll go and play that podcast. So if you're taking a long road trip and you finish one and you want to listen to back to work or, you know, whatever you can, you can just activate it that way through through Siri. See, I did that okay, didn't I? I think so. All right, uh, which is a really great feature, but then I found I wasn't really using it that often because if I take a long trip and I finish a podcast, I'll probably just listen to music. I, I found that it's a feature that I thought was a great idea in concept, but um, isn't really that great in terms of the amount of usage. So then I went over to Overcast and I really, really like it. It's I like the way that they did the user interface. Um, the buttons are the right sizes. Um, I like the little live, uh, audio play and there's just a lot to like about it. And like you have become a full-time overcast user. Um, I occasionally listen to podcasts on my Mac, but that's another thing where I think he's working on that. Yeah. There's a web interface. Exactly. That's what I was going to say is I occasionally listen to them on my Mac, but not as often as you'd think, because I can't really listen to them and work at the same time. My my brain just isn't wired that way. So when I do want to listen to one, I will just go to the web interface and play it and everything works good enough. Uh, so either way, I, I'm with you, Katie. I, I came out of this year as a, a solid overcast user and he supports the iPad now, which is great because I do listen to podcasts on my iPad, too. 
Um, there's, there's another application and we need to, we need to do a sponsor break, but there, you know, another one that I want to give props to of all people is Microsoft. I thought, you know, in 2014, Microsoft office came out for real for the iPad and the iPhone. And, and it was here before on the iPhone kind of, but I mean, Microsoft really embraced iOS this year and they did a really good job with, um, I think with putting the office platform in this touch interface, in some ways I like it better than what they've done on the Mac. So, you know, kudos to Microsoft. I just was just reviewing a contract last night with uh, Microsoft word on my iPad. I'm tracking changes. You know, if you're a person who needs to use Microsoft word with relation to your work, you cannot deny it. This is a great uh, benefit now to be able to get this stuff done on your iPad as well. So, uh, I'm not a big user of PowerPoint, so I, I can't really speak as to that. Um, I'm not really a, a huge user of uh, Excel either, but for Word, it's just been fantastic. Speaking of sponsors, I want to talk about a new sponsor to the show. Hooray, we have a new sponsor. And this is one that I've uh, I've been using for a long time, and I'm really happy to have them on board, and it's MindNode. MindNode is the mind mapping application that I prefer, and it's just because it's got that perfect balance between simplicity and complexity that I need to get things done. I've talked on the show a lot in the past about mind mapping and how I find it a great way to plan ideas and thoughts. and and key to this for me is the ability to have those mind maps open anywhere. I want to be able to open a mind map on my phone and add a couple concepts if I'm, you know, drinking tea and standing in the park. Or I want to be able to do it on my Mac if I'm sitting at my Mac or my iPad or any one of those devices. And I want that to easily work between all the devices without me having to think about it. Well, MindNode solves this problem. I, I think they're the poster boy for good iCloud implementation because it just always works. Every time I make a change, I close the application, I go over to my other device, and the change is there. It just works. And that's exactly what we need. But if you're not an iCloud believer, and I can understand some people aren't, uh, it supports Dropbox, too. So you can sync these things through Dropbox. Uh, once you get the application open, it is ridiculously easy capture. You can type new nodes in very easily, and the canvas just grows and shrinks with the size of your ideas. You can connect nodes to each other just by dragging and dropping, or you can even uh, connect nodes from different maps. Um, the app just gets out of your way. Uh, arrangement is automatic. So when you drag a new node in, the other ones will just move out of the way and make room for it, which is really great. And that works on all the platforms. And I'm sorry, the lawnmower guys outside as I'm talking about my note. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it's just really a great application. When you're done, you can export it to an open format, to text, to image, or PDF. Um, all the major projects I do in my life start in my node, both in the day job and the Max Barkey world. And at any one time in the day, I'll go in and fiddle with those outlines. And it really makes me feel like I'm making progress. And when it's time to really start writing for real or screencasting or doing whatever it is that I'm trying to produce, um, having that mind note in front of me with my thoughts organized is really a great solution. It's not going to cost you much money. This application is not priced like the old school mind mappers that were hundreds of dollars. You can get all these platforms for a very reasonable sum. It, the developer is a super nice guy and super responsive to his users. He wants to make this the best mind mapping application out there. So go ahead and check out MindNode. Let them know you heard about it from us. And thanks, MindNode, for supporting the show. 
All right. And the lawnmower brigade is back again. So, well, 2014 was a, an interesting year for Apple in terms of, of hardware developments. And we, we, we got a, some new hardware developments, but we also got teased about some hardware that wasn't going to be out until 2015. And then there was some hardware that we thought we were going to get that we never saw. So there's certainly some hardware potentially or some announcements that we're, we're looking forward to in, in 2015. But um, if we're looking exclusively at at Apple hardware in 2014, probably the the biggest announcement, um, probably the biggest announcement was the iPhone. But the biggest change for Apple uh, in 2014 was that shiny new Retina iMac that you're you're sitting in front of right now. I love this computer. I know. Um, and I think that the Retina iMac was important for a couple of reasons. Um, because the iMac probably is, is Apple's, you know, certainly one of Apple's flagship products, but it was Apple saying, you know, we, we have figured it out. We can do a retina display at 27 inches and we can put it on a Mac and we can make it reasonably affordable. Now they haven't figured out yet how to do it in a display. That may be something that we're looking forward to in, in 2015 because a lot of the components, you know, they had to engineer and, and build, build into the iMac to make it work. You know, I think they had to do the iMac first, but I think that was really them saying, you know, we can do this. We did it. Here we go. You know, here's the, here's the Retina iMac. So t- tell me a little bit about, about why the Retina iMac was, was worth the upgrade for you because I know before the Retina iMac came out, you were actually thinking about just getting rid of that, that family iMac and, and going off your laptop only. Well, I, I really had been on my laptop only for at least a couple years. And because my laptop was so much faster than the family iMac, it just made more sense. I mean, I was running into issues recording our show on the aging iMac. Uh, so I was pretty much a one computer person. And when the new Retina one came out, it, it really is the Retina screen. I know there's some people for which the Retina is not that big of a deal. And there are some people for which they wet their pants over it. And I think I'm in that second category uh, because I spend so much time with words. And I think the Retina screens really, uh, they almost look, I know they look great with pictures, obviously, but they're almost even better with words. We you know when you look at words on the screen, you have that super crisp type it just makes it such a joy using the computer. And uh, so that's that's why I, I really got in. And I was a little hesitant because I was used to using one computer and, you know, not having the troubles that come with two computers, making sure the same apps are updated everywhere and the data is synced. We just talked with Jason Sell about this a couple of weeks ago um, or actually one week ago. Um, but the uh, it really is worth it to me. And obviously syncing has got so much easier than it used to be anyway. But it's a gorgeous computer. I still, I still sit down and smile behind it, just like my my laptop, which is going to be three years old this year. It's the same thing. Every time I open the lid and I look at that text, I grin. I, I have the honeymoon is still fully on with me and Retina screens. Let me just say that. Yeah. So. Obviously, the Retina is is very important. You like it for the text. I know a lot of graphic designers, and, and specifically people who are designing for iOS, the Retina is very important because 
you know, you think it's funny that you're designing for these these little devices that we hold in our hands, but when you were designing on a traditional screen for, for iOS, because the pixel density on iOS is so different, in order to design on iOS in pixel for pixel, you would have to blow them up to these ridiculous proportions on your screen to get pixel for pixel accuracy. And now you can, it, it's really important for these designers to have them on the retina screen. What about the speed boost and speed improvements? Your your other iMac was, was getting quite old. Was, was that an i5? or was that still a core two duo it was um well it's six years old now so it'd be and core i don't do i don't even remember uh my, my daughter's using it so it's it's still in service and it's still fine for for basic stuff but like when i started working that OmniFocus uh, video field guide and i was doing it all in screen flow and the export process you know exporting a two and a half hour screen uh screencast that's actually a pretty big project for a computer and it's like I'd say, all right, well, I'll start the export, then I'll go downstairs and and do some, I, you know, it's in the, the computers in the bedroom. So I'm like, well, I'll, I'll start the export and then I'll go do some stuff in the room and then I'll go downstairs and maybe watch an episode of Doctor Who and, you know, whatever. And so I, I started the export, started fiddling around in the bedroom, doing some things, getting ready for the day. And I looked up and it was done. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's like, what? How did that happen? Yeah. So the speed is great. I don't really notice it that often because I don't do that many tasks that are, are that processor heavy. Uh, when I do need it, it's obviously great um, with the photo stuff. Um, I think that it, it will be great too. But, but the big thing for me is definitely the screen. Um. And then the other big development is we got new iOS devices, you know, new iPhones, new iPads, uh, big development, big, big change being with the iPhones. We got bigger iPhones. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm still, the, the verdict for me is still a little out, uh, although I certainly love my iPhone 6 and, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't trade it for my iPhone 5. If you gave me this iPhone 6, everything else being the same, but in an iPhone 5 or in a, in a 4 four inch or whatever the iPhone five size screen is, you know, a smaller form factor. I might take it. There's a lot of people that agree with you. Yeah. Um, I, I, for one do not, I, I'm really happy with the bigger size screen. You know, I, I had my little dalliance with the super big one and ended up trading it in for the smaller one. Uh, I'm not sure that'll happen next year. I think next year I might just get the bigger one. I've, oh, I've oh, got several oh, friends. Okay. That you... Come on. Why? Because I've just got several friends that are using the bigger ones, and I look at what they're doing with it, and I'm like, you know, I may, I don't know, we'll see. I'm going to go through the same hell next year. I don't know why I had so much trouble with that. The uh, I never have, you know, difficulty choosing the size of the iPad or the Mac I'm going to buy, but for some reason, when it came to the phone, I think it's because it's it's a more intimate device. You're always carrying it around with you. I really was tortured over that. Talk about a first world problem. But I, I, I really had a hard time picking between those two. I think they're both really great. So, so I, I'm really happy that they're they've got the bigger sizes. Uh, I, I'm I'm equally happy if they want to make a smaller one with the same guts. I think you know there are people like Katie out there that want the smaller phone, but I just find it so useful to be able to read it. It's easier to read. It's just easier to see when I'm driving down the road and I use it for my navigation directions. That's it's true. really great. I mean, there, there's just a lot to like about that big screen. Obviously. Um, bigger screen is always better, but there's at some point that it makes no sense. I mean, an iPad mini size phone, um, the bigger screen is outweighed by the inconvenience of that size. Um, and I guess everybody has to make their own decision about where they hit that point. 
So I'm glad Apple, I'm glad Apple has multiple sizes and I, I would like to see three sizes next year. I'm with you, but, but I'm never going smaller than at least the iPhone six size. 4.7 inch. Yeah. Yeah. But at, at some point, do we get, do we get, I feel like Apple has got too much choice in its lineup. I mean, you know, we, we've got, you know, the, the iPhone 5S is still for sale. We've got the iPhone six, we've got the iPhone six plus, and then you've got all the various different carriers. And then you've, I mean, the different carriers is probably not a significant choice for people. You go with whatever carrier, you know, you pick, and then you've, you've got the very different size options. And then, I mean, with the iPad, things really start getting crazy. I mean, at some point, do we just need to start simplifying this? That's, that's probably a, different discussion. You know, we're talking about, you know, why the the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus is, is some of the best hardware. But um, Apple Pay and, and the major changes to the iPhone 6 hardware, are you using that anywhere? I've, I've, I think I've used Apple Pay twice since I've, I've gotten my phone just because I'm not finding many retailers here that accept it. But I think that's going to be a big change in 2015. Yeah, I agree. And I can't wait for it to become so. I'm, I've used it more than twice, but not as much as I'd like. But every time I take my credit card out and I give it to somebody, a little part of me says, I wish this was Apple Pay. Because uh, I'm just tired. I, I had another, you know, we had a an, another vendor of us cut us off recently because, you know, I got a, yet another credit card number. And I just forgot to go change it. And then we went to take care of something like, oh, you haven't paid your account. I'm like, I always pay my account. And, you know, it was a situation where the credit card number had changed. So obviously the old one was getting declined. I'm just so tired of that. I I want Apple Pay to work everywhere. I I agree. Um, What about the iPad 2? I was surprised this didn't make your best hardware of 2014. You did upgrade to the iPad 2, didn't you? No. iPad Air 2? No? No. I've still got the iPad Air. I'm Okay. okay. I I think it. I went and played with one at the store. Have you have you laid hands on one yet? I have I have not. Although I I will tell you, I am seriously considering. I although I love 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 my mini. I am considering going back to a bigger iPad for. Um, I love reading books on my mini, but for reading documents, I'm finding it a little small. Yeah, and we talked about that on the PDF show with with Ernie. I am. Um, that's the biggest reason why I will always have a large iPad is because I spend hours a day probably reading documents on my iPad or quite often and, and editing and annotating. And it just doesn't work with the, um, with the mini. I still have the first generation mini and I still like it. I mean, I still use it occasionally around the house, but when I head to work, I've got the big iPad, but, and I think that was good hardware this year. It's not on our list because neither one of us have been using it actively, but it's significantly faster and you know they they made progress and it's thinner and you know, all the things that apple does but mine's only one year old next year i will get a new ipad next year because i can't go more than two years without a new ipad i really love it and not was, not let's just be clear not because you need one no right? i could get by with the ipad air probably for two or three more years and that's probably why you see all this doom and gloom about the ipad how nobody's buying them well most people are not as crazy as i am and they're not going to buy one every two years so um, that's just what it is. Right. And part of the reason that I love the mini so much, one is because it's purseable for me. Does that, is that a word? I mean, just made that word up. Yeah. If I carried a purse, I would, I would be with you, Katie. I think, I mean, that's like getting back to my issue earlier about the bigger phone. I mean, if I carried a purse all the time, maybe I should carry a purse. I might I get think in trouble you, you though. You should, you should look into I, it. I can't do that, man. What do they call it? A purse? I, I can't do that. I just well, and and I'll tell you, I don't carry a purse 
every day. I, I carry a purse during the week, but I typically don't carry a purse during the weekend. So that's that's why I like the smaller phone because during the weekends when I don't carry a purse, I stick my phone in my pocket. But when I do carry a purse like during the week, I like to stick my iPad mini in my purse. And just having knowing that you're walking around with the full power of an iPad on you at all times. Just flip it out. Yeah. All right. Well, this uh, this next section I think is going to be pretty long. So let me take a quick break and uh, talk about our next sponsor for this episode, and that is Pixelmator. And first, I want to say congratulations to Pixelmator uh, because they were named the best of the App Store in 2014. I mean, the best of the App Store in 2014. So that's a pretty high bar. Uh, and you too can own the best of the App Store for only $9.99. And that is Pixelmator for iPad. And that Pixelmator for iPad is a powerful image editor that gives you everything you need to create, edit, and enhance your images. It will let you work seamlessly between your Mac and your iPad and even share effortlessly with people who use Adobe Photoshop. It takes full advantage of the latest iOS technologies, giving you speedy, powerful tools that will let you touch up and enhance images, draw or paint, apply dazzling effects, or create advanced compositions with really simple flicks and touches of your finger on your iPad. And once your images are ready, you can share them to celebrate your work with the whole world. Uh, You can start with any of their dozens of beautifully designed templates. They've got retouching tools that will do things like correct wrinkles or repair scratches. Uh, They'll just make your flaws vanish right before your eyes Uh, from your photos, not from you, the actual person. Unfortunately, I hear that they're working on that in a future update. Uh, You can remove or rearrange objects uh, in your composition. Uh, These are incredibly powerful tools. Uh, You can even combine different tools and effects for a truly endless number of ways to refine your images. It is loaded with dozens of breathtaking effects that you can play with. They've got advanced imaging editing features with things like layers, things that you just don't see in traditional iOS editing apps. And you can open and save images that use the PSD, JPEG, PNG, PDF, and many other popular image formats. Of course, they use iCloud for sharing. Uh, They uh, support extensibility, and they are built exclusively for the iPad. Uh, The thing that I love about Pixelmator um, and the folks who create it is that it is meticulously thought through. It is created from the ground up for iOS and and iPad. You saw these guys present uh, when the iPad 2 was, or iPad Air 2 was released. Uh, It is designed to take advantage of all of iOS 8's features and technologies and engineered to leverage the full power of their 64-bit architecture. Uh, It is absolutely amazing. For $10, it is a steal. So go check them out at pixelmator.com to get an idea of the things that you can do uh, on Pixelmator for the iPad. And keep in mind, there's also Pixelmator for the Mac as well. So thanks to Pixelmator for their support of our show. Have you ever noticed how uncanny it is that our sponsors get best of awards from Apple? Yeah, we had a couple of sponsors who got best of awards. So, And that happens almost every year. <laughs> we, had a, uh, we had some family over just recently because of the holidays, and there was a picture of... Um, of, of one of our deceased family members and somebody wanted to get a better picture of him. And I was on the couch and I opened up Pixelmator on my iPad and we like cleaned up the picture. We cropped it. We gave it some shading and it was really fun for me doing that with my finger sitting next to, you know, the non-techie family member and having, having her actually kind of participate and saying where it cropped. And it was very empowering for her. And I think when you take Pixelmator and put it on the iPad, it, it just gives you some options you never had before. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, anyway. let's 
Let's talk about um, some of the best Apple and tech-related developments of, of 2014. And I think we, we probably have to start with iOS 8 and extensions because more than anything, this is what really opened up iOS in 2014 in a way that I think iOS hasn't been opened up since the App Store was released. I think this is one of the biggest changes, uh, the most sweeping changes to iOS since the App Store. And uh, I hope that Apple will continue along this tw- trend. And the the big ones that, that we got with iOS 8, um, at least the ones that you and I have identified as, as making the biggest changes in our lives were uh, keyboards, custom keyboards, um, Touch ID uh, interface with apps, and share extensions. And of course, share extensions, you know, adds a, a whole degree of things. But um, iOS extensions have been a huge development of, of 2014. Agreed. And that was something that I think we all worried about, that Apple's you know DNA was not going to allow them to open the platform ever. And as a result, eventually, you know, caused problems for users. And, you know, they, they changed this year. It seems like, you know, going back to those heady days of WWDC in 2014, everybody was so thrilled when they announced all this stuff, which also kind of explains why there's been so much of a backlash with some of the, the review stuff we'll talk about later. But boy, this I never expected going into the year that we would have this much more control over iOS that we have now. I, I, I agree. Um, probably, you know, big ones that have made differences for me, obviously with custom keyboards, uh, the text expander keyboard has made a big difference for me because it means that I can have my, my text expander snippets everywhere. Um, are you using any other keyboards beyond text expander? I, I admit that I am not. Yeah, I'm using uh, one of the swipe keyboards. Um, I am using SwiftKey and I really like it. I, I, I've always, I've talked in the show in the past about how I feel like I'm an incompetent iOS typer. I just am not that fast at it. Um, I do like the, the predictive text in the, in the built-in keyboard. Now I know some people say that makes them crazy, but I, uh, I do find myself using it and SwiftKey, you know, the ability to swipe words in, have you given it a real try? I, I downloaded it, but I have I have not. I probably should. That's one of my frustrations is that I notice that I am a much better typer, which means I probably ant are ant. That's a great word. Uh, I, I was probably just thinking, what the heck are you saying over there? <laughs> I, I probably am not uh, with uh, the uh, actual Apple keyboard than I am with the text expander keyboard. But that must be because it's just autocorrecting everything as I type. Yeah. And and the text expander keyboard got better. I think it the did, first yeah. version it was a little harder to hit the keys. They you know they they write text expansion software, not keyboards, but they got better at it. But um, and I do use that one as well all the time. Um, another one, I guess I should have really put this on the list of apps the best of iOS is Clips, which I think we talked about on the show. I know I wrote about it at Max Sparky, but it has a keyboard as well, which is kind of cool, and it allows you to keep a list of clippings. You know, basically all of a sudden now you have a a clipboard manager on iOS as a result of these extensions. Um, boy, I, I just, you're right though. That is the big news this year is that Apple opened up iOS in ways that we never thought they would. And all these goofy URL extensions and, you know, Python scripts and all these things we were doing to try and make automation happen before are on the dust heap now because, uh, iOS is much friendlier to this stuff. Right. Thank you, Apple. Yeah. Well, and Touch ID has been another big one for me. I mean, I know you've had Touch ID 
in a limited capacity because you've been able to, um, you know, unlock your phone since the iPhone 5S. And uh, yeah, 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 that's that's great. But I'm, I'm personally, I'm kind of glad, you know, I'm on an every other iPhone upgrade cycle because I don't have the, the hand down function that you have. Um, but I'm really glad that. Wait, you know, what do you mean hand down function? Meaning you can hand yours down to another family oh, member okay. and you've all, yeah. always got an upgrade availability. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm really glad that my first Touch ID experience on the iPhone was with the iPhone 6 and now with iOS 8 simultaneously when we now have the ability to do so much more with Touch ID, including, you know, 1Password obviously was very quick to take advantage of this, being able to unlock your 1Password. You know, apps like Authy let you log in, Evernote even lets you log in. I'm really looking forward to like my bank taking advantage of this to let me log into their app. I, I hope they will. But I, I think things are coming on board. Um, and then the big one being share extensions also. Yeah, those are great. And uh, which ones are you using the most? Um, within Safari or within anywhere, really, uh, being able to share into Instapaper, being able to share into OmniFocus, being able to share into Evernote are probably the three that I'm using most often. But, you know, now with Workflow, you can create extensions within Workflow. Yeah, and just put them in the sharing menu. Man, right. workflow is so great. Um, this is a this is looking forward to twenty fifteen. And well, that's I not until later in the show. You're skipping home. I, I know I'm going to forget it, but my one request is share extension Apple and Apple Mail. Yeah, I think I put that in the outline so you wouldn't forget. Please. Okay. Well. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Um, so 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 we're we're actually going kind of slow, aren't we? <laughs> we are, but that's okay. Uh, so the AirDrop is great now, working between Mac and iOS. We've talked about that, and and one of the best developments is the work our friend Gene McDonald did. Yeah, although that's not directly an Apple development, I think it it counts. It's a tech related development that that started at WWDC twenty thirteen, I think. Um, but AppCamp became real this year, thanks to Gene, and I, I know thanks to the support of um, a lot of our Mac Power users listeners. And I think we're going to talk to Gene uh, later this year about AppCamp before AppCamp 2015 launches and see about maybe doing something with her. She told me that, um, you know, she came on our show when she first started launching this. And as a result of being on our show, she got someone to give her a location and she got legal help. I mean, it's crazy how awesome our listeners are. I don't think we've ever acknowledged that publicly, but uh, the Mac Power user listeners as a whole were instrumental in making App Camp for Girls happen. And thank you all for that. Right. And I think we're going to try to do even more in, in 2015 looking forward. Um, but as, as great as some of these developments in 2014 were, um, of course, there were some bad things that happened in, in 2014 as, as well. And one of the things that I find disappointing is this, this push always towards lower cost apps, driving the cost of apps down, freemium apps, you know, everything has to be free. And that, I, I find that very, very disappointing because you and I, David, are, are both personal friends with a lot of developers. And it seems like there's just this expectation out there by people that, gosh, if, if your app costs anything or my goodness, if it if it costs $9.99 or more, um, well, I'm not even going to give it a chance. I'm not even going to buy it because, you know, that's just that's just too expensive. And it doesn't matter that that's an app that I may use every day or that's an app that may save my bacon or, you know, that's an app that, that you may hire five employees and pay them living wages to support their families, but no way am I paying $9.99 for an app. Are you kidding me? 
Yeah, I was. Um, we were at Disneyland last night. I was looking at all these people in line to buy popcorn for like ten dollars for a bag of popcorn. And I was thinking, how many of these people would pay ten dollars for a quality application? But they would pay ten dollars for popcorn. It just doesn't. And, and make I promise sense you, the popcorn's me. not that good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the uh, so I don't know how we fix that. I think. In general, you know, people are saying, well, the lower prices for consumer, the better. But that's short sighted because the people who make quality applications are just going to leave the game. They're not going to be able to make quality applications because they can't make a living at it. And we're going to be stuck stuck with all this junk. And I don't really know what the answer is. It's particularly an issue in games. That's really the model now in games. Uh, but with with productivity apps, there still are some people out there that are you know holding the line with, you know, decent pricing and making a living off their applications but you know i have to wonder what's coming with that and that that's a trend that neither one of us are very happy with another one is app review well can i can i, can I say one more thing about freemium apps and and yeah. that is i think that apple could help this and they haven't because the the big thing that we still don't have on ios is we don't have any good ability to try apps or to to upgrade apps. And and developers have had to implement so many workarounds to try to do that. And some of them are clever, but really none of them are as good as Apple implementing a solution for this. I mean, maybe someone who cringes about buying a $10 or a 15 or a $20 productivity app would if they could try it for a week first. I don't know. I hope. I don't you know. know. I- and, and on the same theme, though, of where Apple could be doing better on this is app review. And we've gone through this really embarrassing period in the last two or three months where there's been applications that, in fact, some of them we've talked on the show, Drafts and Transmit, as an example, have these great apps with features, iOS 8 features that Apple was promoting. And then they get told, well, you can't do that. You're doing too much with it and you need to pull it out. And then we have this kind of public bloodletting and then Apple changes their mind and says, okay, well, you can go ahead and use that. It just seems to me very kind of Bush league. And that's so unusual for Apple to have this kind of stuff aired in public. And frankly, what's the big deal? If people want to install an extension and make the app kind of awesome, it's not like it's going to confuse normal users because they're not even going to use the extension. So I just hope that I hope that those days are behind us. I'm not sure that they are, but I hope they are. Right. Another issue, uh, a trend that I see in 2014 is the crumbling protection of my information uh, as held by other people. Yeah. Um, it seems like this year, more than ever, we see these hacks. I mean, the Sony hack, the most recent one, is maybe an exception because it's such a weird circumstance. But in general, uh, people that I'm giving my information to are not protecting it good enough. And, and I, I don't think we've hit that watershed moment yet, but I think... The day is coming where it's going to be really ugly, and I'm not sure what people are thinking right now when they're uh, holding data and they're not protecting it properly. Yeah, and the other one that I'm pretty disappointed in is just this this lack of personal responsibility that people take for their online presence. There's a lot of nastiness and negativity out there on the internet. And that's certainly something new, not, I'm sorry, that's certainly not something new. That's something that has existed well before 2014. 
I don't think there's an answer to it. I don't know what the answer to it is, if there is one. But I just find it very disappointing, and I think it's it's growing. We've certainly seen it grow in 2014, and I am nowhere near educated enough to be able to talk about some of the specific issues that have been going on. But this this grower, growing trend that this great anonymity that people feel that they have on the internet leads people to believe, behave in ways that they wouldn't otherwise in the real world. And I, I think people sometimes have a tendency to portray the worst versions of themselves on the internet because they forget that, you know, they think that they're protected behind the screen and behind this keyboard and forget that, you know, on the other end of that screen and on the other end of that keyboard, you know, there's a real person and there's a real life. And it's it's very easy to think of something witty and and type it out on a keyboard and and make a statement that they think is funny so that they can impress their friend. Um, but a lot of damage can be done to, to people, to lives. Uh, and, and it's, it's really shocking. And I, I don't know what the solution is to it. You know, maybe, maybe start seeing some prosecutions of some of these things for actual criminal activity that goes on. But I'm, I'm really concerned about the lack of personal responsibility out there, uh, especially that people take for their online presence. It's, you know, I even find it, after all these years, I, I still find it jarring when I get an email from someone that's very critical of me that listens to the show or reads something I've written. And, you know, and sometimes it's constructive criticism that's useful, but often it's just kind of nasty. And I, I always know. appreciate polite, constructive criticism. Yeah, but I mean, but, sometimes, yeah. you know, and it's like. What did I do to this person? So I, I, I appreciate you know, it, it. This is something that we do need to work on as a, as, as an internet of people. Yeah. I mean, my, my take on it is if you wouldn't walk up to me, shake my hand and tell it me to my face, don't put it in an email or a tweet yeah. or whatever. Hey, um, uh, we made a change to Mac power users in 2014 and, we uh, and we added a listener feedback show. And, you know, when we, I have to admit when you first, Talk to me about it. I was like, I don't know. We've already, we're already doing four shows a month. I have to admit, Katie, I really like that listener feedback show. I, I look forward to it every month. I think that has become one of my favorite things of 2014. So I just wanted to acknowledge it here. You know, um, I think it, it definitely will continue in 2015. We uh, we may make some tweaks to it. We may make some tweaks to the format. We may improve it. But but I like it a lot. and I'm glad that we do it. And I'm, I'm glad that you agreed to it. Um. Uh, I'd like to talk about another sponsor of our show, and that is our friends over at 1Password. Um, so, you know, the new year's here. This is a good time to improve your password protection. And frankly, what I was talking about earlier, you want to have as much uh, of a barrier between your information and the outside world as possible. And 1Password is the solution for you. They support uh, the Mac and the iOS platforms. They also support Windows and Android. Um, and it just lets you take all of this important data and lock it up. Now, there's a lot of things 1Password does that the big key feature is that it's a strong password generator, creates really great passwords, and it manages them for you. So you can have a different password at every website, which means, you know, the day that that website X releases your password to hackers, they're not going to have your password to any other website. And that's the reason why you should just go buy it right now. But the application does so much more. The people behind it are so smart and working so hard. They've got, they built in features that allow you to store secure data in the application. Uh, For instance, if you have my family's social security numbers are stored in a secure note in 1Password. So, So if somebody picks up my phone or sits at my computer, they don't have access to that type of information. It also stores 
is all of your application passwords. You know, when you get a new application, you need a, 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 a um, either a password for it, or you need the, you know, the user ID the, to register, register the software. They do that for you. It can store your credit cards and your li- driver's license and, you know, your medical card and all the things that are important to you can be stored in there. It'll store the email credentials that you need every time you set up a new computer or you have to reset your computer. The application just really takes care of privacy for you. And because it's all built on these different platforms, they synchronize through both iCloud and Dropbox and you get the data no matter where you're at. I was at somewhere with my wife the other day and we needed some inf- some medical information and I opened up my phone. I opened up the one password app. I used touch ID to unlock it. And I had the information in seconds. And my wife, who's not a geek, was really impressed at how quickly I could get a hold of that information. She is also a one password geek, though. I have to admit that's one thing she's really picked up on. So 1Password does all of this for you. Uh, in 2014, the, the Mac Power users listeners were at work and Chris Hammonds, who I know for a fact listens to the show and Mike Vardy, both of those guys. Uh, um, Mike Vardy came up a few years ago with what he calls the 1Password emergency kit and he put it on his website and we'll put a link in the show notes. Chris Hammonds, another listener of the show, improved upon it and made these fillable forms and did some great stuff. And I think this is an excellent thing to do as we approach the new year is that go download the one password emergency kit and it allows you to put, you know, key passwords in a secure location. So if something happens to you, your loved ones can get into that one password data that you're creating. Anyway, uh, go get one password. If you haven't done it yet, now's the time. If you've got friends that aren't using it, make sure they get on it. And thank you, Agile and one password for making great software and supporting our show through the years. So we've we've done a quite a bit of a, a look back. Um, what are you looking forward to in in 2014? I am looking forward to so much, Katie Floyd. I don't know. <laughs> Can we go for another two hours? <laughs> no, we can't. So you might okay. want to run through these kind of quickly. Well, I, I've got a list. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, one thing I'm looking forward to, uh, I think we need to f- solve the photo problem in 2015. You know, we, this is, this has been going on for years. Um, how do you keep and manage your, your family photos? How do you share them with each other? Apple has promised us a new application for the Mac. They've already, you know, tried to get things rolling with iCloud photos on the iOS devices. They have this Apple photos app that was promised in early 2015. I'm very eager to see if they can deliver on that. And if not, we're going to have to come up with some new solutions to managing photos. And Mac Power users, listeners, we are going to deliver this to you this, this year. We are either going, either going to endorse Apple Photos or we're going to find something else and stop pussyfooting around and get some solutions to photo management. Oh, my goodness. I can. OK, there you go. I, Good luck I, with I that. put it out there, Katie. I'm taking responsibility. I'm going to solve the problem. OK. OK. You heard it here first. Uh, another Sparks one I'm looking for. Problem. Well, you you have one. It looks like all, almost all these are mine. On yeah, the yeah. You're. Look, I'm looking forward to more hardware in 2014. You're looking forward to a lot of software. I well, guess. I, yeah. I uh, guess the software. Yeah, use use software. Go ahead. Scrivener for the iPad. Well, yeah, I mean, the your white whale. It's never yeah, coming, David. It's never whale. coming. I I think this is the year. I know they've been working very hard on it. They've had some development setbacks. They are very smart people behind Scrivener. And if I had Scrivener on my iPad, it would dramatically improve my life. So I am definitely looking forward to that. Uh, Ulysses, which is the other app I talked about earlier, has now announced that they have an iPad app in development. And I'm I'm also looking forward to that. So Ulysses and Scrivener, between those two, I think people who want to do some serious writing on their iPad are going to have a great year in 2015. Here's here's uh, a fun fact. When the for our listeners, 
not for you. When the original iPad came out years ago now, when was that? I don't know, years uh, ago. David actually years. bought the original iPad and shipped it overseas to the Scrivener developer. So yeah, well, he could, Keith paid for it. I yeah, didn't Keith, pay for I it. I know, I know, but you you facilitated this transaction. Well, he's in the UK and he couldn't get one. And I'm like, I I was writing him saying, please, please, please make Scrivener for an iPad. And he's like, I can't even get a hold of one. And you, David's like, I'll fix that work. for you. And I said, if you'll give me the money, I will get one and get it to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I am ready for Scrivener on the iPad. Um, uh, another app that I'm really looking forward to is Vesper for the Mac. I, you know, uh, John Gruber and gang have put out Vesper, which I really like on iOS. I just like their design aesthetic and UI stands for something in my world. So um, I, I'm looking for a better way to manage notes. They've got They've got a tagging system and just a, a gorgeous UI. I think this is the app I want to use, except for the fact it's not on the Mac. And now they are seriously developing it for the Mac. And when they get that out, I'm going to be looking that, at that hopefully as a solution. So it's something I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah. Um, a couple of apps that I'm looking forward to is Busy Contacts is in beta. I've been in the beta. I'm not sure if it's in public beta yet, but I've been working on the beta. Um, and those guys are so, so smart. Uh, they're the same guys who've made Busy uh, Cal that I use as my major calendaring solution. And Busy Contacts, I think, is going to solve a lot of problems for me in the contact realm. You know, we did the whole show on contacts a while ago. And, you know, I think we had a lot of concerns still that we could not solve with contacts. And Busy Cal or Busy Contacts, rather, um, set, solves a lot of them. So Busy Contacts is going to be out in 2015. They're still tweaking it and refining it. And I'm very excited for that. And I am hoping that we see a TweetBot update for the iPad, maybe in 2015. Maybe and, that's your white whale, Katie. Maybe that's my white whale. You know, the uh, the TapBot folks, um, they, they have a tendency to abandon their apps. You know, I mean, my goodness, how you know, PasteBot and, and CalcBot, have those been updated ever in a long time? I mean, my gosh. Um, but I think TweetBot, both for iPad and iPhone, are, are some of their big ones. And so hopefully we'll see their their TweetBot iPad app come out soon. You know, I wish if they were just going to abandon an app that they would pull it, although the iPad app still works. It's still what I use. But uh, TweetBot for iPad, please, come on. Either, either, either update it or kill it. Just let it die or update it. Thank you. Maybe this is a resolution, but um, I have marked in my um, pocket uh, Federico Vitici wrote something like 20,000 words on tweet, uh, Twitter applications. Did you see he did that? I, I saw, and it's in my Instapaper queue. And I look I, at it, and I'm just like, I don't know how I can read that. It's so many words. I don't know if I'll ever get through it all. But I, uh, I want to revisit my Twitter application. And that's something I'm going to do after the new year. So I don't know where I'm going to end up with that. But I am tired of TweetBot on the iPad. I will tell you that. Um, now, now we're and, getting into the section that I'm interested in, and that is hardware. Antici anticipated hardware. Well, we oh, have to start with the Apple Watch. I want an Apple Watch. I just want it. Yeah, me too. Me I'm, too. There, I, there's no question. My my wife said, you know, are you going to get one? I'm like, yes. <laughs> what you, <laughs> you know, why are you asking me this? I don't understand. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk that the um, stainless steel and the gold ones are going to be quite expensive. And I'm going to get in. I, I'm almost certain I'll just get in at the entry level because I'll want to upgrade it. You know, I'm yeah. not going to need the fancy one. Oh, I, I'm very curious to see how Apple deals with that. I mean, if you sell a watch that's, you know, $10,000 and then two years later, there's one with a better processor and better battery life. What do you, what do you do with that? So it'd be interesting to see how Apple handles that. But just the, the whole idea of the technology is very interesting to me. After they announced Apple watch, I went and dusted off my, um, 
Pebble. Pebble. Yeah. And I, I've been wearing it a lot more. And the software got a lot. I, I gave up on it at a time when the software was terrible. And now the software is much better. And I do like it. And I, I think I, I definitely have room in my life for an Apple Watch. So um, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with it. Um, I like the demos. Uh, Apple updated the website with some additional like watch face information and stuff recently. And I found myself just pouring over it like the nerd that I am. And uh, I'm going to look forward to talking about that on the show and, and seeing how it helps us get stuff done. In fact, I think the Apple watch makes a bigger iPhone more palatable. Here, I mean, the, here, the, yeah. I mean, the, the moment that I gave up on the big iPhone was I was in an elevator holding my briefcase and somebody texted me and I couldn't, I couldn't read the text because I couldn't get my finger to the right place. But if I could just look on my wrist, that problem solved. That's when you start using your nose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, oh, Smell-o-vision. Yeah. Now, you mean you use your nose to touch the screen and all, yeah. So here's my thought. I wonder on- if I could touch, I, I wonder, I wonder if train touch ID with my nose. I think I need to try <laughs> I that. I think you can try it. So here's, here's my thought on the Apple Watch. I agree with you, David. I too am going to get in on the low end with the possible exception of, um, I think I am going to buy the... Um, the the steel band the the kind of steel uh, bracelety style band because I've I've always worn bands like that so that'll probably be a little more expensive but I'm probably going to buy the base watch because my anticipation is that Apple Watch Gen one and two are going to be like iPad Gen one and two. I think the Apple Watch in terms of a hardware device is going to scale very similar as the iPod did as a hardware device. You know, the iPod really did not take off until the third generation iPod. When the iPod originally released, it was big, it was clunky, it was expensive. And although the Apple Watch, it was revolutionary. I mean, don't get me wrong, but although the Apple Watch is clearly revolutionary, to me, it's still a little big, it's still a little clunky, and it's still a little expensive. And I was at a very different place in my life when the iPod released. I did not buy the original iPod. In fact, I bought an iPod second generation from the refurb store $100 off when the third generation was released. That was my entry to the iPod. Um, I'm in a different place in my life now that I can afford to go buy an Apple Watch on the first generation. I think Apple Watch Generation 3 is when this will really hit the masses. So my plan is to buy an Apple Watch, stay low end, keep it for two generations, and then wait for the third generation, which is when I'm really going to make my upgrade for the Apple Watch. Um, because I think the first year, 18 months, two years of the Apple Watch, it's it's going to be you know, getting started with the Apple Watch, figuring out how we're going to use this. Apple's going to be figuring it out still. Developers are going to figuring it out still. Don't get me wrong. It's still going to be amazing, but it's not going to hit that mass market appeal, obviously, if it does. But I think it will, you know, until it's been out for at least two or three years. Um, I'm excited about it, again, from the notification perspective, from some of the fitness tracking perspective, but but mainly for notifications. I want to be able to leave my phone on my desk when I go to meetings or in, in my purse and be able to know if someone's trying to get a hold of me. I think the fact that the product isn't out yet and you have three years of buying strategy locked down is adorable. Yeah, I got it. I got it all figured out. Not me. I'm buying the first one and I'm not saying I'm not buying the second one as well. You're buying the first one. You're buying the second one. You're buying the third one. (laughs) We'll see. Maybe I found I'll find I don't use it, but I'm not that much of a fanboy that I'll just buy it blindly. But I I think I I think except for the first one, the first one you will buy blindly. Oh, I will. Yes. <laughs> that, in that case, I will. Uh, the next thing on the on the list is something I know that you are very interested in. That's the Retina 12-inch MacBook Air. That I will buy blindly, yes. 
Yeah, and, uh, and we've been hearing about that for a year or two now, so I, I suspect it's for real. Yeah, I am due an upgrade for my 13-inch MacBook Air, and I have been waiting. Um, I've been waiting for it to go Retina, and I have been really tempted to go 11-inch. I want something that's just a little bit smaller, but everybody's saying, no, it's going to go Retina, and then it's going to kind of the, the the 13 and the 11 are going to get together, and it's going to do this weird morph thing, and it's going to be a 12-inch that's kind of the size of a 13, but also the size of an 11, and it's going to be this funky thing, but it's going to work out great. So whatever this mythical in-between 12-inch Retina MacBook Air is that's going to be super fast and have amazing battery life uh, and have a Retina display, I'm all in. Because it's going to be smaller, it's going to be faster, it's going to have better battery life. I may end up buying a laptop this year too. My my um, Retina MacBook Pro is entering its its um, third year. So usually I sell them the third year and while there's still a little Apple care left. So the buyer's got a little bit of a warranty and then get a new one. And I have no idea what I'll do. Cause I, I really do like the 15 inch MacBook pro at work. Increasingly I'm using it connected to a cinema display. So um, I could conceivably get by with a smaller laptop, but I do like the power of the big one. But now I have this super powerful computer on my desk at home. So I really have no idea where I'm going with this, but I do think we're going to have some options this year. I think we're going to have a really great little laptop and a really great big one. So we'll get to decide. Um, now, here's where the, things are going to get really expensive is when Apple comes out with retina displays. Yeah. And I don't think I'm not sure that's going to even happen this year, because as you were saying earlier, it's, you know, the magic of the Retina iMac is that it's all in one box so they can use beefy, you know, beefy connectors and and non-standard, you know, interfaces to get the, the big issue is if you're listening, you don't know is to get a retina screen, you have to push a lot of pixels at that screen, like four times as many as you're used to pushing. And like Thunderbolt can't carry that much data. You just can't do it. There's a Thunderbolt three protocol that will, but that's not out yet. And um, it's, it's not, it is not trivial to move that much data from a laptop to an external screen or even a retina iMac to another retina screen. My retina iMac won't put this out the same, you know, pixels out to an external screen either. So, um, I don't know if they're going to solve that problem this year or not. I think if you're looking at getting one of these devices with the idea that I want it to drive a retina display, you probably should wait another year because I'm not even sure the stuff they sell in 2015 will be powerful enough or have the right ports to send that information out. And that's what's going to be difficult for me is, you know, I've got a 24-inch cinema display right now, which is clearly not retina. That's what's going to be difficult for me is buying this 12-inch MacBook Air which currently I have my 13-inch MacBook Air connected to a 24-inch cinema display. That's no big deal because right now I got nothing that's Retina. But it's going to be very difficult having a 12-inch MacBook Air on my desk sitting next to a 24-inch non-Retina Mac uh, cinema display. I just think it's likely in 2015 if you if your goal is to get me you know get a laptop that you can attach to a Retina display. I wouldn't buy anything until Apple has a full solution out there. They have the screen. They say this laptop will drive it with this cable. And I'm not sure that's going to happen next year. I can't wait another year. But, you know, I don't know. All right. And then, David, is 2015 the year that I get my updated Apple TV? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Because it's, you know, now it's embarrassing. (laughs) The competitors are are really doing great stuff. Well, I think we've got to get some kind of update to the Apple TV. Uh, I think Apple has been waiting. I mean, Apple knows that the Apple TV is lagging behind the current consoles. You know, they know that they've got to get a Bluetooth-based remote. They know that they've got to get something a little bit faster. They know they've got to do something with the UI. 
I think the the X factor here is can they, can they release the Apple TV they want to release? And the Apple TV they want to release is both updated hardware as well as updated features, including some kind of deal with the media companies. And I think that's what they can't do right now. I mean, we don't talk about news and rumors on our show as a rule, but I mean, we have friends that work at Apple and I've heard from them that very smart people have disappeared into some sort of Apple TV project. I, I think that Apple's working on something and I just hope we get it this year, but who knows what it'll be. I mean, all that being said, I still like my Apple TV. I haven't really embraced the, some of the other, the Roku and some of the other products because we're so heavily invested in iTunes, but I think they could do so much better. Um, so what, what about Apple development in 2015? What are we looking forward to? I mean, we, we talked about the hardware developments that we want. I mean, software rise, I I want them to continue on with extensibility. I I want them both on, on software and hardware to continue with extensibility. I want to see an API for Siri. I want to see, you know, you to be able to say Ahoy Telephone or whatever it is that you say, uh, and it to be able to work in other applications. I want to see the share functions within Mail app. I want to be able to customize my control center so that the calculator widget opens up CalcBot instead, or, or I'm sorry, it opens up PCalc instead of Apple's silly calculator. Um, I want to be able to customize what those little buttons are in the in the uh, launch center. I, I want to do all of those things. You know, I want an Apple TV with a development platform. I want a better development platform for the iWatch. I want a pony. I want all these things. Some of those, you're more likely to get a pony first. <laughs> I know. I think so, too. How about <laughs> a unicorn? I, Am I more likely to get a unicorn first? I think I, so. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I want them to continue to make it stable and to work really well for everybody. But it seems to me like the extensibility stuff is a nice kind of fringe area to allow us to go nuts because the, the you know, the people who aren't going to use that stuff are never going to see it. So it's never going to be a problem for them. So I'm with you. And we talked about the share functions in Mail app. I think that would that's the single biggest improvement they could make for my my productivity is the ability to have a an email and share it to OmniFocus or save it to PDF or do any of these things. And it seems to me that would be pretty easy to implement, but maybe I'm not seeing it right. I don't know. Um, okay, so uh, sounds like we're both looking forward to a lot for next year. Um, uh, we also have a couple of resolutions. We've done resolution shows before. We're going to keep it short. We're already in pretty long here, but uh, let's do our last sponsor and get through our resolutions for 2015. Yeah, our last sponsor is lynda.com. And lynda.com is an easy and affordable way to help you learn. And you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by experts on business, software, web development, graphic design, all through lynda.com. So lynda.com is video tutorials, and they work directly with industry experts, software companies, and provide you with timely training. Uh, Often their new video tutorials are released the same day that new versions of major software versions hit the market. So you can always be up to speed. Uh, These tutorials are produced with the highest quality. These aren't like homemade videos that people put on YouTube. And they're broken down into bite-sized pieces so that you can learn at your own pace. And from start to finish, You start a course all the way through or just hop in and find a quick answer to something. Uh, They have great tools in addition to the videos themselves that include searchable transcripts. You can create playlists of courses that you want to watch or maybe courses that you think you might want to watch in the future. And you can even get certification of course completion, which means you can publish these to your LinkedIn profile. You can add them to your resume. Uh, You know, it's a great way to tell your employer or a potential employer, hey, look, you know, I've completed this three-hour course on this particular app and, you know, I've got some extra 
expertise here. Um, maybe that's what helps you get a new promotion. Maybe that's what helps you get a new job. Maybe that's what helps you get a raise. So whether you're a beginner or advanced, lynda.com is going to have something to offer you. They work with all experience levels. And uh, you can also learn on the go with the lynda.com apps for Android, iPhone, and iPad. And this all starts for one low monthly price of $25. And I love their pricing model because you pay once $25 a month for their starter plan, and it gives you unlimited access to over 100,000 video tutorials. If you become a premium member or with one of their annual plans, you can even download those courses to your iPhone or iPad or Android apps to watch them offline. Uh, and you can also download project files so that you can work along with your instructor. So for software that you can rely on, lynda.com can help you stay current on all these software. You can learn the ins and out of them. You can become more proficient. They've got courses on things like Photoshop. Uh, they've got courses on things like um, learning logic, if you want to learn how to be a better photographer, you know, if you want to just bone up on being more productive, you know, our, our pal David Allen taught a course on getting things done. You can do all of that. And so uh, we have worked out a deal with lynda.com to provide you with a special offer to access all of these courses for free for 10 days. Some of you may still have some time left uh, off over the holidays. You can take advantage of by visiting lynda.com. That's L-Y-N-D-A.com slash Mac power users for a free 10 day trial. So our thanks to lynda.com for supporting Mac Power users. And again, that's lynda.com slash Mac Power users. Thanks, Linda. Yeah, we'll keep the resolution short today, but I, I saw one that's on both of our lists is journaling. Um, I don't know about you. So I've been personal journaling for a few years, but I seem to fall off the wagon quite often. I just, just get so busy. I think I would really like to make a better effort to journal more often in 2015. I, I've never really gotten on the wagon. It's a wagon that I've wanted to get on and I'll journal for a day or two and then I'll stop for ever. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> so it, it, For me, it's like therapy in a way. It allows me to kind of just work through things that are on my mind. Um, I don't really plan to share it, uh, but it's uh, it's something I would like to do more yeah. next year. One of the things I've done, and, and it feels a little bit like cheating, is you can use a service like uh, Slogger, which our friend Brett Terpster does. Or, um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm going to blank on the name for this, but I'll put a link to it in the show notes. I think it's Gift Daddy, or um, it's it's like, it uses If This Then That, so it sounds like If This Then That, but it has a G in front of it, um, that will allow you to link your various social networks to um, the, your journal uh, day one. And it's a, it can be a good or bad. I mean, you may or may not want want all of that want all of that stuff in there. So if you publish tweets or if you take photos with Instagram or if you post things on Facebook, it's kind of a way to allow you to uh, sync all of that up with and plug it into day one. Which you know you could argue that you know Twitter is kind of a micro journaling method, so you can capture all that stuff too. It, look back and say, well, these were the things that I was thinking about. Something else I'd like to do next year is just kind of revisit the idea of iOS automation. I feel like the ball has moved forward as a result of iOS 8 and developments with like drafts and Launch Center Pro and now workflows where I need to revisit the issue and look at things I could do more efficiently on iOS that I haven't. And I think there's room for me to improve there. So, and that's, that's kind of something that I just like to do anyway. It's almost like a hobby for me. So I guess we'll be hearing about that in 2015 a little bit. Oh, that sounds like a, a future Mac power users episode, or at least a theme for a few episodes. Sure. Sure. Yeah. How about you? 
Um, I want to get more into the fitness and health tracking. I, I This is another area where I have fallen off the bandwagon, partly because I've just been so busy. You know, I used to work out with a personal trainer, and that was one of the things that I had to let go when I went back to school, partly for cost-related reasons and partly just because I, I didn't have the time. And so um, I think even more journaling, you know, like a food diary and an exercise diary is, is going to be important. You know, getting out and I've, I've been trying to take walks like on the weekend just to, to get out and I bought an elliptical machine, which I've been using, which has been great. But, you know, getting out and being more aware. And I think the Apple Watch is going to help with that. So to, to the extent that I can, you know, tie in fitness and technology, I think that's going to be, be fun and beneficial. Yeah, I'm the same way. If I can turn it into kind of a geek game, then I'm much more likely to do something with it. But, but I, I've kind of fallen off that wagon as well a little bit. I need to work on that. Um, something that I'd like to do in 2015 is, and I've already kind of talked about it, is I'm just tired of the problems in our family managing photos. And I feel like, you know, we haven't really had a good solution. And like I said, I'm 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 putting some weight in Apple solving it with the app with the Photos app that's coming out, but you know, I'm, I'm not putting a hundred percent in that. We'll see. But I think this year we, in my family, we need to sort out photos. And I, I suspect a lot of families out there have the same problem. One of the things that I'm trying to do everywhere in my life and not just a resolution for 2015 is I am looking for ways that I can simplify. Where can I make things simple? Where can I get rid of things? Where can I ease points of friction? Um, you know, whether that's just clearing out clutter, you know, in my closet, whether that's, um, you know, clearing out things that I don't use anymore, whether that's simplifying my workflows, but where can I reduce points of friction and make things simple? You know, time has been, um, something that I've, I've not had a lot of extra this time of year or, or really this year at all. And so one of my overarching themes of, of 2015, I think, is how can I make things more simple so that I can focus on the things that really matter? Yeah, and I've got a related one, and this will be my last one. It's just I, I still have to get better at saying no. I've written about this at Max Barkey, but that's something that's really hard for me. When someone asks me something, I my gut reaction is always, sure, you know, <laughs> and I... And I get myself in a lot of trouble that way. <laughs> so uh, that's a resolution I'm not sure if I'll be able to to keep or not. But I sure would like to get better at saying no to things. It's hard to say no to, to good things. And I have so many good things thrown at me. Um, anyway. You know, say, saying no is, is hard. I just had to say no to a friend recently who who asked me for a favor. You know, they were, were going on vacation and, and needed a favor. And it, it was really kind of a big ask. And I thought, you know, gosh, it, doing what you're asking me to do would, would be kind of fun. And I'd kind of like to do it, but it's really going to put me out too. And, you know, honestly, I, I just can't. I really can't. And, you know, initially I wrote them an email thinking, yeah, I, I, I could probably figure this out. I could probably figure out a way to do this for you. Okay. Yeah, sure. And then I just, before I hit send, I just, you know what? I, I really can't, I really can't do this. And I just delete, delete, delete. And, you know, writing that email saying, you know, I'd really like to help you out, but I'm, I'm sorry, I can't was very hard. Yeah. I, I had this uh, pet project for years. I was going to make an app called the no list where you just write down everything you say no to. So you know what things you need to say yes to. Sounds goofy, but it, it would be like a tool. For me, it's just a text list. I keep a text, text list of my no stuff. Maybe somebody listening will make the app. If they do, please send me a copy. <laughs> but the, um, I, uh, I, I, it's just, it's, it's an issue I struggle with. And, and that's, uh, I guess there's worse problems. 
Anyway, Katie Floyd, we got to the end of another year, and I just want to uh, thank you for being my podcast partner for all these years and putting up with all my shenanigans. Oh, well, the the pleasure has been mine, and, and I thank you for yet another great year of Mac Power users, and I thank our listeners. And, you know, this is probably a good time to to thank. We, we get a lot of help with uh, Mac Power users. You know, David and I have, have been very busy, and we really now have got this podcast down to we, we do a lot of pre-planning with the show. We do the show. We sit down. We record the show, and we send this off to some folks who, who really help us out. So um, both JT and Hay uh, take turns doing our show notes for us, and they've been doing doing that for about a year now. So I think it's a good time to send a shout out to both of them and say thank you very much. So if you appreciate the show notes that uh, come through for Mac Power users, that's that's not David and I. That's uh, that's both JT and, and Hay doing that for us. So thank you so much. And um, we really appreciate that. Um, and Mark Miles is is our editor for this show, who I think really has always been there for Mac Power users. He's uh, He took back over editing at our request um, a little bit earlier this year when we were having some audio problems. We said, no, we, we got to get Mark back in here. Uh, and he has just done a bang up job. And I know that he spends a little extra time and gives Mac Power users some some extra TLC. And David and I are just so appreciative of, of the efforts that that he does uh, for us and, and for you. And whenever there's a problem, I email Mark and, and he gets on it right away and, and fixes that for us. So thank you so much to everyone uh, for helping us out with the show. And also thanks to Dan and Hattie and the gang at 5x5 five five, uh, giving us a network to put the show on. And and most importantly, I, you know, thanks to all the listeners. I, I, I've said it before, and I know this sounds like hippie nonsense, but um, I don't have the pleasure of working on Max Sparky 24-7. You know, I have a day job like a lot of people. And every day I have a rough day at the day job. I come home and I get on the mic with Katie Floyd and it just changes me. It just It's just like... It, it's my sanity having this show and I love getting the email from the listeners and hearing how we're, we're helping out people. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, I feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world. So thanks everybody. Have a happy new year. Have a great 2015 and we will see you with more great content. We've already got a bunch of great stuff planned for next year and um, happy new year. <laughs>